Hello and welcome to Coastless, the podcast for those navigating a connection-based lifestyle. I'm Boyce Richardson. Hey everyone, welcome to the latest edition of 41 Files and this episode, 41 Files Podcast Profiles. We want to welcome some very special guests uh, from the podcast Coastless, one of them a 41 action newser of a few years ago, Melissa Yeager. So good to hear your voice, Melissa. Hey, thanks for having me on the, the pod, guys. It's good to good to hear from you all again. And, and your co-host is uh, Bryce Richardson. Boyce Richardson, I'm sorry, Boyce. So tell us, uh, you're a lawyer here in Kansas City. Uh, you love travel. Melissa loves travel. What is Coastless all about in their first season? Coastless is a Midwest-centric travel podcast. We like to say that it's connection-based because the reality is when you're a Midwesterner, especially living in Kansas City, Missouri, other than flights to Mexico sort of sporadically and then the dailies that we have to Toronto, it's connection-based to be able to get to any place internationally, and it takes a little bit of extra time. So the podcast is focused on what that means as a Midwesterner traveling and assisting Midwesterners kind of getting over that final hurdle that takes them to far-flung foreign locales. I I think a lot of people, um, a lot of the travel deals and and strategies focus on the coast. They focus on New York. They focus on L.A. When you see, like, the cheap travel deals, they're always out of one of those locations. And we wanted to start pointing out that, you know, travel from the Midwest doesn't have to be really expensive or really, um, you know, time-consuming. There are ways to get around that, and that was what we were hoping to do with the pod as well. And Sam Hartle's in studio with me. We're all Kansas City fanatics in this studio, to be sure. Although I should say, although I am increasingly a Kansas City homer, I am wearing a Minnesota Twins baseball hat. <laughs> so you guys recorded or uh, released your first podcast on August 28th of 2018. I know that you guys did a lot of pre-work ahead of time. Um, what was it like uh, starting out from, you know, kind of square one and, you know, kind of what was your background? What, what um, technical setup did you have? And then... How did things change from episode one to episode 14 in the first season? Well, I think the, uh, the beginning, you know, we just had this kind of idea that we wanted to do this podcast and how would we make it happen. So we did a lot of, um, before we launched, you know, there's so many podcasts that start and then they kind of fizzle out. And so we wanted to make sure that there was kind of a uh, interest in this in Kansas City and that we were carving out an inch. So we met with a lot of people in Kansas City to see what they thought, what they would like to hear from the pod and, and kind of formed our guest list in response to that. I don't, I don't know how you feel, Boyce, uh, about that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that that was the case. We've been very fortunate in the fact that even while Melissa was on our fellowship for the previous year in Germany, I have pretty well-established Kansas City ties, and we've been very fortunate with Melissa's media ties that allow us to not have a producer outside of Melissa. So Melissa handles all of the independent editing and I handle generally pre-interviews with our guests and profiles and booking. So we have a good diversification of duties that has allowed us kind of from the beginning to basically be in a position where we're not overextending ourselves beyond our, our nine to fives or whatever job hours that we're generally working. We both have day jobs as well. Right, right. So, <laughs> did you guys have like a benchmark that you're like, hey, this is kind of what we want to model the podcast off? Yeah, it, it was one of those situations where there really wasn't anything from a travel standpoint that was Midwest specific. You have all these things like Skyscanner or Secret Flights or Scott's Cheap Flights, all these things that kind of aggregate potential deals out of the Midwest, but not a lot of people distributing them. 
you know, when Point Sky distributes something or even Skyscanner, you get MCI references on there, but nobody's really pushing those out. They're talking about flights from L.A. or Chicago, Newark, the sorts of locations and trying to get people to understand what the logistics look like of getting from Kansas City to those places. And that when you get on Kayak or you get on Google Flights, you don't have to book the package deal from Kansas City to London or Rome or Paris. You can actually book from Kansas City to one of those coastal cities or Chicago and then take advantage of that and use that to create a cheaper fare for you from the Midwest and get yourself out and take advantage of some of the things that are good for the coast as well. And Melissa, I know when you were here, uh, gosh, this just kind of illustrates the issues that we faced with the airport. Melissa covered the changes with the airport, potential and not, when she was at 41. How long ago was that, Melissa? Gosh, uh, it's amazing. I I started doing my first story, I think, in 2012. So seven years ago was the first tour they gave me showing, showing, they took me down below and showed me where things were leaking and, and concrete was falling off and and uh, I remember what was, you know, impressive to me was the system with the baggage. Um, there's just not enough room down there to process bags and um, with the new systems they have to have to scan baggage. And that just really made an uh, impact on me. Before, before I came back home to Kansas City, I was working in, in Florida and I would get so frustrated um, flying through uh, MCI um, to get back home because if your flight got delayed, if you got um, like one one time I got moved to a different flight and had to move all of my stuff after being in Kansas City for two weeks over Christmas to another terminal on the bus, which was such a pain. <laughs> and and so I had a completely different perspective when I came home of what it's like to use that airport from a, a non-local resident. And and then um, you know so, so I went in doing research about well what's going on at the airport, and then they showed me all this all the stuff they were they're dealing with and it really is quite amazing uh, what they what they have done um, despite uh, having all of these you know challenges from it just being an, an old airport that was designed for not the modern air travel that we have today so how much of the new single terminal project is a game changer for what you guys talk about in terms of, of deals um, I think you know, it's been well documented that, you know, the airport will be paid by user fees for if you're flying in and out. Um, but that shouldn't, I, I can't imagine that would in, in fa- impact deals that, that you guys are talking about. So it's kind of a win-win, I would assume. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case. I think what people don't consider when they talk about those fee increases is the fact that those things are sort of expansive and broad brush across the flyer profile. So they're building a new LaGuardia, they're building things at LAX. That cost distribution comes to Kansas City as well. So our new airport will, in fact, be paid by fees for people throughout the United States. So it's one of those things where other areas have actually been taking advantage of us for a very long time, and now we're the ones that actually get to benefit from the process. And when it comes to new KCI, I think one of the interesting things is a few of my friends and I a couple years ago got together due to frustrations with MCI and created the new KCI Twitter account where... In the beginning, it was just designed to the secrets out. Okay, I was right. going to say no it, breaking news. We, right. No, we it's on the it's on the Twitter account <laughs> okay, right now. Right, I, okay. I think the the, right. the pinned post is the one where we all outed ourselves after the vote in November of 2017. So it was one of those situations where we put that thing together just because we were tired and we wanted to laugh at some of the perils of MCI, and it's since become something a little bit bigger that pushes new KCI content and 
tries to push forward with this new terminal, which it looks like we're going to ground break by the end of March, which is the most exciting thing that I think has happened to Kansas City in the last decade. Yeah, and I think in terms of, of when you're talking about bringing airlines in and bringing in um, whether we'll get better deals, you know, you, you don't know until until the airport has the ability to go after some of those airlines and airlines have a chance to expand. But um, I, I'm now in Phoenix uh, covering the airports down here, and I can say that they're, they are already considering plans for, for 20 years out. What, it, what is the wow. airport going to look like 20 years out? And, and um, a lot of it is making the airports flexible that they can put in different types of air, aircraft and bring bigger aircraft. For instance, Phoenix uh, and, uh, sees a lot of seasonal passengers, so they're needing space for bigger planes that can bring people trying to escape the winter down. Well, um, you know, if you look at KCI, when it was built, it was built for individual, each space was for an individual airline. TWA was here, you know, Braniff was here, they, they brought in their specific airlines. Well, now, like in Terminal 3 in Phoenix, they can use any of those gates to adjust to a different aircraft and a different airline and switch them over easier. And when you have more flexibility, you can just be quite a bit more efficient when you're running air, air, uh, aircraft in and out of a airport, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody is really waiting to see if we get more flights, more direct flights, cheaper flights, all of that. Okay, I want to ask, you know, Melissa, a journalist, we have a voice, an attorney. How did you guys meet to even come to this point to start a podcast together? We were both volunteering at the Nelson Atkins and ended up uh, uh, being chair. Uh, Boyce was the chair and I was the vice chair of uh, one of the summer parties that they had a few years back. And we became uh, good friends over <laughs> over our love of travel and uh, have continued to share <laughs> that love over over the years. Uh, um, while I was in Germany, Boyce's wife came and visited me, and uh, and we've just all remained friends over the years. Life can be fairly random, right? And when we were looking for candidates for what was then the Summer White Party for the Nelson Atkins, you see somebody with KSHB next to her name and think, you know what? That person might be pretty helpful in putting this whole thing together. And uh, I guess it's been it's been five or six years, which is crazy. Time tends to fly. <sighs> On today's pod, we are fortunate to have with us Councilwoman Jolie Justice. Councilwoman Justice. You guys had, I thought, uh, a nice roster of guests uh, in season one. Uh, you had, uh, you know, kind of government officials. You had uh, regular travelers um, that kind of had their tips. Um, you had some people who went on on, um, on journeys across the, the globe, and you kind of talked to them. Talk to me about how you choose your guests and what you hope listeners get out of those types of interviews. Well, I think initially our guest list were, were people that we were familiar with, right? I, Jamie Monticelli, uh, Jolie Justice, Justin Meyer, people who are in the travel industry in Kansas City or were close friends before we started Coastless. One of the things is when we were trying to put our guest list together, we wanted people that we knew so that we could have comfortable conversations with them in the beginning. Because as you both know, it's infinitely more difficult to have a, an interesting conversation with a guest you don't know somebody you don't have any exposure to. And we're getting a little bit more into that now. But I think Melissa and I are both much more comfortable with it than we were before. Although, to be fair, as an investigative reporter with KSHB, right? <laughs> Melissa had a little bit more exposure. You know, my, my exposure to strangers and people that I don't know just comes from socializing and sort of legal obligations and those kinds of things, and the Nelson Atkins as well. But yeah, I, 
moving into season two, it's just been an interest of trying to focus and figuring out, again, what we want to do and who we want to discuss and what other avenues that we want to kind of tackle. We don't really want to become a situation where we're just extolling people's travel stories over and over and over again. We'd like to be able to provide a little bit of insight and a little bit of sort of guidance to people that are trying to plan on top of interesting and engaging stories. Since then, we've had a lot of um, people chime in on, oh, you should you should really check out this person. You should you should interview this person who's from Kansas City and is doing this. And and so um, so I'm really excited about some of the folks we have coming up for season two. And we definitely have goals as well. Uh, I will not step away from the fact that I would still love to have Josh Ernst, who it was right, a former right. press secretary who now works for United Airlines. So in the event he's listening to this podcast, just know <laughs> that all you have to do is get a hold of me through the Twitter account and we'll, we'll arrange something. You guys focused a lot on places around Kansas City, you know, like you were saying in the first season, getting going and with people that you knew. And the last episode, uh, the focus was about other people's perceptions of Kansas City, which I think everybody who knows and loves Kansas City feels like they deal with on a daily basis, right? Do you guys still feel like that's a burden we have to bear? More podcast episodes to focus on that or no? I, I think it's becoming less and less of an issue over time. I really do think that the national profile of Kansas City, thanks to people like Visit KC, has expanded greatly. And the events that they do in L.A. or New York or Chicago and even sort of local markets like Omaha, Des Moines, Tulsa, and, and getting people to this city – uh, one of the things that I think we're going we're gonna to talk about in this particular season is have a few guests that talk about what it means to not necessarily be a Kansas City and who's traveling, but what it means to export Kansas City. So unlike Visit KC, who are trying to get people to come to Kansas City, what it means to take something from Kansas City in the Midwestern area and expand its profile nationally or perhaps even internationally. And the advantages and sort of the the importance of the world meeting Midwesterners and understanding what it means to be one, which has sort of become an overarching theme. Yeah, I will say that. uh, So before uh, I I think Boyce mentioned that I was on a fellowship in Germany for a year. And when you go over to Europe, they meet a lot of people from the coast to have, uh, you know, one, one, they have one mindset of, of, of America and that's not good or bad. It's just different than, than perhaps the mindset of someone who's from the Midwest. And I, I think it's great when um, people meet all types of diff- different Americans, <laughs> um, because whether you realize it or not, when you travel overseas, you are a diplomat and you, in the respect that you are representing this country, people who meet you, that may be the first American that they meet or uh, and may shape their perception of our country that way. And so I voice and I have said several times on the podcast, we think the world would be a better place if people met more Midwesterners <laughs> and um we are excited to uh, encourage people to to get out there and explore the world. I'll say one thing that's really interesting is I also am the branch manager for Casey Gooners, which is the Arsenal supporters group here. And as part of our Heartland Gooners event last year, we had two of our friends from London come over and their trip was sort of off the beaten path and that they flew into Minneapolis and then visited mm-hmm. Kansas City and then went to St. Louis. Mm. And they left and they have since become just absolute supporters of the Midwest. Mm. They had a blast when they were here. They met some absolutely incredible people. And I think since then, they've driven a lot of their friends to here as opposed to New York or L.A. Because you can come here and you can have a really great meal and you can see great sporting events. And 
on top of that, you can meet really nice, down-to-earth, friendly people while you're doing it, which just provides an ultimately, I think, better travel experience. But I think uh, Visit KC is, and, and the airport have been very active overseas in, in, in Europe, and there's a lot of interest from Europe into traveling into areas that aren't the typical tourist destinations. And and if you think about it, like when I, when I was traveling in, say, Italy, yeah, you go to Rome or you go to one of the big cities, but then you kind of want to get out in the countryside and mm. see see the rest of the, of, of the country and how, how, how like people live outside the city. It's a totally different experience. So it's not surprising to me that, that people would want to come to Kansas City and, and see a, a, a completely different perspective of, of the U.S. Um, and, and enjoy all the Midwest hospitality. Melissa, when you were in Germany, I was very curious to see how many people you would talk to might have been familiar with Kansas City or Kansas or Missouri. Did they know anything about it? Uh, one, it, you know, some some people were, but most they, I had to like hold up yeah. my hand and say we're right in the middle in yeah. German. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and and then they were like, oh, okay, okay. Um, and so so yeah, I think and I think that it's just like us when we when we think of Europe, where countries are located, our ge- geography isn't isn't as good. So you know, they know they know where Chicago. People would always ask me like, are you are you from near Chicago? Right. And I was like, kind of, <laughs> still eight hours away, but. But, but yes, yes, that's more the part of the country than, than, uh, than say, L.A. or New York. What was your favorite interview from season one? So I think I'm actually going to choose the Jamie Monticelli episode because I think what came across during the podcast with Jamie was just the personal value that can be gained when you travel. Um, I was... I've always been really impressed with the fact that she just kind of packed up things, put them in her car and left. And I find that I, I, I just find it incredible. It's one of those situations where for someone to just kind of take the life that they have, throw it into a suitcase and just go try and find an experience. And especially towards the end of that interview, I thought it was very enlightening to hear her talk about what travel had given her, because I think more so than anything, you know, we get a little bit of a focus as an international podcast where we're trying to be fans and supporters of pushing people over that hurdle to get them out internationally. But we talk about it all the time. I think we're also a domestic podcast where we're trying to get people out of the ruts of travel that they normally get into where they go to the same place every year at the same time of the year and maybe just expand beyond that to another area of the States, to another place and explore a little bit and expand their boundaries and horizons. And I really think Jamie spoke to that as well as any guest that we had uh, during our first 14 episodes. Uh, yeah, I love that episode too, because she talks about traveling alone and, and how to get over the loneliness of doing that. But I also liked our uh, podcast with the new Dorothy, um, yeah. with Brooke. Uh, she, uh, I thought she had a great perspective because she, you know, she has come from rural Kansas and how she was able to actually, you know, get over the financial bur- burden of, of trying to travel internationally and then how she's been able to do that while still running her own business. Um, but I love her philosophy um, that, you know, travel and adventure is a mindset and you, you don't have to go all the way around the world to, to, to have an adventure. And uh, she encourages people who, who message her and say, oh, I really, I wish I could be in Portugal. I wish I could do this. 
um, to look at the events in your own community and, and, and some of the things you could find uh, new ways to experience culture and, and different activities and different ways that people live, even in your own backyard. And I think that's a great lesson as well. And I definitely identified with Brooke as well. I mean, she's from outside of Parsons, Kansas. I went to high school in Girard, Kansas, grew up on... Southeast Kansas, right? Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. And grew up on the lower side of the socioeconomic scale, really never having any dreams or anything about getting abroad, you know, looking in history books, seeing the photos, thinking about it, dreaming about it, but but never really assuming that it would ever happen. And I was at the University of Kansas in 2003, and they had a program from the Freeman Foundation to go to Southeast Asia. And... Went through the process the first time, didn't even get the phone call, got routinely denied, and basically was just like, I'm never leaving. And the next year, I had a professor join the program, and he came back to me and told me to apply for it. And I stewed and thought about it for a while and was basically just like, I don't want to fail again. I don't know if I can endure it. And he came back and told me to basically shut up and fill in my application, and I did. And in 2004, I spent three to four weeks uh, roaming around Japan, and mm. it changed my life, especially coming from southeastern Kansas. You talk about immersion. There, it's not Europe and Southeast Asia. It's one of those situations where you can't speak the language. It's hard to understand. It's hard to communicate. And you learn, and I learned, an incredible amount about myself over the course of that three weeks. And with Boyce pointing that out, I think that's one of the things that's little known in the Midwest is that there are organizations out there that will fund experiences. Um, um, my fellowship in Germany was paid for by a, a foundation in Germany, and I wouldn't have known about it except for I was finishing grad school on the East Coast at the time. I don't think the word gets out very well in the Midwest that there are organizations that can help you financially to make some of those dreams come true. And I wish some of the word would get out about some of those, some of those programs uh, better in the Midwest. I think it would be beneficial for those programs and also um, um, for Midwesterners as well. Um, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, we all know how life-changing travel can be, and you want to encourage that in your podcast. What's at stake if people don't? I think if you look at the world in 2019, we've all become very entrenched in our perspectives, in our beliefs, and in the way that we interact with the world. And if you allow that to fester and continue and you don't expand and begin to understand above and beyond your own community, you lose out on a lot. And I think one of the things that travel has taught me over the course of time is perspective, that you you see things on the news, you see things in books, you read, you try and understand, but until you're there, until you're standing in the space that you've always dreamed about, talking to people you never believed that you'd meet, you don't ever get over those sort of inherent stereotypes. I think one of the examples is when I graduated from law school, I promised my mom I would take her abroad. And our first trip was in 2016 to Paris. And everybody always talks about how rude and standoffish that Parisians can be. And my exposure was completely different. My mother was petrified, terrified, couldn't do anything, didn't think she was going to be able to talk to anybody. It took her three minutes in the front of our first Uber to strike up a random conversation with a Parisian ah. Uber driver. And from that point forward, it was green you know the light was green she was going to go every other uber that we got into for the rest of the trip the minute she shut that door <laughs> that whether or not that person wanted to talk or not my mom had decided that a conversation was going to occur and just developed this inherent level of comfort so until you go until you travel until you experience you never really know yeah i would echo that and i would say that i think what is at stake is 
you know, not everyone has the opportunity financially or, or with work to be able to travel. But I think what it does when, if you have the opportunity is it makes you realize the world isn't as scary of a place as sometimes we think it is that people generally, most people are good and they want to be helpful. People have a love of their hometown just like we do, and they want to show off the best parts of that hometown, and they take pride in it. And, um, you know, I, th I think especially in the world of mass media um, and coming from mass media, we things are in the news because they're newsworthy. It's because it, it's something um, uncommon that has happened that we are reporting on. Mm. It doesn't mean that the entire world is that way. And uh, I had a lot of family members who were worried about me traveling to Europe. You know, they had, you know, read about, you know, oh, there's terrorists over there. There's all these things. Well, well, those, those attacks are, are unique things that are newsworthy because they happened and they are not common. And so um, I had a great time in Europe and uh, really enjoyed me meeting people who had a different worldview than my own and, and definitely helped me come home to see my country, the good things and the bad things in a, in a completely different light. That's it for Coastless this week. If you like this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes. If somebody wants to check out Coastless, where do they find it? And they can catch up on season one before season two drops when? Season two is scheduled to drop Tuesday, March 12th. And if they're looking for us on social media, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For the latter two, it is at CoastlessKC. Boyce Richardson and Melissa Yeager, co-hosts of Coastless, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, great to be with you guys. That's it for 41 Files Podcast Profiles. For Sam Hartle and me. See ya. See ya.